0: Charlotte
1: and I'm Helly and welcome to 20s are hard our fortnightly podcast on surviving your 20s. I feel like it's been surviving
0: this recording so far.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh we're on basically a well I say second attempt but we were attempting for about three hours last night it's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) On my Saturday morning it's just oh it's been a little bit tortured this week my mic has broken which isn't really ideal We've had all kinds of weird noises on Heli's end. So if sound is a bit dodged this fortnight, we are really sorry. Um, We have tried everything.
1: Yeah, and now we've, I mean, we've come to the conclusion that our Skype is either haunted or hacked because there's noises that one of us can hear and the other can't. So if you can hear them, we're really sorry about that.
0: But we're trying our best. We're being resilient. Um, (laughs) And we're just going to get on with it. So... Tell me about your last couple of weeks, what have you been up to? I feel like you've had a really cool social life, going to like white parties and all sorts. See, again, that is
1: social media for you. I mean, it has been cool. I've had an amazing couple of weeks. I'm so tired though. (laughs) I just need to sleep for about 48 hours straight. But no, it has been really fun. We had a white party with work, which was a lot of fun. And then we had Australia Day last weekend. Um, So that's basically like a bank holiday here in Australia. Um, So we had a long weekend and I met up with some Instagrammers that were visiting from Sydney. So that was really, really fun. Went out for brunch, took some photos. Um, So it's really nice to actually meet people I've spoken to online for so long. Um, And then on the bank holiday, we just randomly picked a train line and decided we were going to ride it until the end. And we ended up going to Geelong, which is like a suburb about an hour out of Melbourne and there was a sailing festival so we were just there kind of enjoying the festival and all of the different there was like music and stalls and people being very sophisticated with cheese boards on their yachts oh. which yeah it was very fancy but no it was really really nice weekend and um, yeah just had another week at work now still going strong you know all of the, the fun stuff and now I'm exhausted but I'm going to the <laughs> tennis open final tonight as
0: well so, that's so cool i love that you get to go to the australian open although i'm not really a tennis fan and i don't really understand tennis at all i do really get into wimbledon when it's on here
1: yeah, I, like I just like, i love
0: like, it so i felt like the fact that you're going to the australian open is just so cool
1: yeah, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited to it. because I've never actually been to Wimbledon and I've always wanted to go. But they have that ballot thing, and then you have yeah. to queue up. Whereas here, you can actually just buy tickets. So, and they have like a whole festival. There's people. There was like Bastille there last night, which is pretty cool.
0: That's cool. Every year, I say I'm going to take a day's annual leave during Wimbledon and go down there and queue up for a ticket. Cause it's like you, it's pretty easy to get a ticket on spec. Like if you go at the right time of day. Even if you don't get to, like, centre court, you can normally get into the grounds. And I know someone who got to centre court for, like, a tenner. It's mad. Like, they just yes. have tickets going. Um, and every year I say I'm going to do it. And then I just totally forget. And then I forget to book the annual leave or I don't have any left or something like that. So maybe this is the year I'll make the effort to actually do it. because
1: yeah, it such I a feel crazy like you need doing. to set, like, an alarm. Because what happens with me is I say I'll take the time off. And the next thing I know it's happening, I'm like, oh, guess I'm not going this year.
0: <laughs> and I don't necessarily want to go on my own but then I'm like it might be quite nice to go on my own and just sit there and have my strawberries and cream and enjoy some sun and just watch some tennis I think it'd be quite a nice day maybe I'll do that yeah why not um what have you been up to what have I been up to not an awful lot I've had such a nice Saturday because obviously we spoke well my this morning um and I kind of said how I had no plans and I ended up having the nicest chilled day um I actually did my longest ever run today
1: nice congratulations
0: so this is not anything impressive for anyone who runs normally but back in maybe june july time i started couch to 5k and then when it started to get dark i stopped because i don't like running in the dark basically um Uh but the weather's been really nice over the past couple of weekends i thought right this weekend i'm going to go for a run and i wasn't really sure whether to start at the start of couch to 5k um which I knew I could do, or if I should like try and get back into where I was. But I thought, I don't want to do like a longer run for the first time in months of not running and just feel really awful that I'm nowhere near as good as I used to be. So I thought, well, oh, actually, what I'll do is I'll just set like a stopwatch on my phone and I'll just see how long I can run for. And then from that, I can kind of gauge where I need to be. Um, yeah. So I started running halfway through a song. And then when I got to the end of the second song, I was like, this must be the longest I've ever run for because when I got to catch 5k I only managed a three minute run. Uh, Like I did a couple of them but three minutes is the longest I ran for and I did six and a half minutes and I know that isn't very long for most people who run and I realise that it's not like a marathon but for me
1: I'm pretty pleased with that Yeah, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people like I I think it's impressive that you're running because I hate running I can't do it but like to have done that and gone back straight back to that after you've not run for a while, that's
0: really good. I'm really proud of myself. That just put me on such a natural high. I got loads of daylight, came back, did some cooking, chilled out, and then I spent, and this makes me sound like a proper sado but before you judge me, I think everyone needs to go and try this, I was in the kitchen doing some cooking. I just put some music on, and I was having a bit of a dance, and then I ended up dancing with myself in the kitchen for about two hours just listening some brilliant music and having a right little Saturday night dance party I know it sounds really pathetic when you say it out loud Um,
1: no I feel like those days are the best I need a Saturday like that to just chill and dance around the kitchen and do nothing it's just just such a mood booster
0: like it just makes you feel so much happier and so much kind of I don't know like I just feel really positive and great after today so good very chilled but you know Nice, nice for January. I'm away next weekend, I'm off to Bristol, so I thought it's quite nice to have a bit of a more quiet time this weekend.
1: Do you um, want to share some
0: recommendations?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, do we want to move on to the first recommendations? Brilliant, you can kick it off this time. Um, it's slightly different this week, but I'm sharing a quote, and it's actually from the newsletter that I recommended last week. So, oh, yeah. if you subscribe to that, then you'll have seen this quote but I just thought it was a very poignant message. Um, So it says, when I was a child, my father used to encourage my brother and me to fail. At the dinner table, instead of asking about the best part of our day, he would ask us what we failed at that week. If we didn't have something to tell him, he would be disappointed. When we shared whatever failure we'd endured, he'd high five us and say, way to go. The gift my father gave us by doing this was redefining what failure truly meant. And that's by Sarah Blakely. I just thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about failure because we all have our own perceptions of failure and they have often come from like a society's kind of definition of failure. But, and I think we've probably touched on it a little bit before, but seeing failure as something that you've still endured and gone through and you've come out the other side and like I'm pretty sure we said there's still lessons to learn from something not working out, from something failing. So I think looking at them and seeing them as like a learning experience and something positive it's a it's just got me thinking that it's a really nice way to frame if something doesn't work out what can you take from it towards like your next steps forward
0: I love that I think it's such an important lesson to teach kids but I also think it's relevant for any point because it kind of just goes back to what I was saying about my run like I was like oh you know I didn't do very well compared to someone else you know well that's not that's not a failure
1: that's the thing is as soon as you start comparing it to something else then like what's someone else's success might be someone else's failure but you yeah you can't judge it like that because you're you like as cliche as it sounds you can only judge off like, what you've achieved and that's progress for you so like who cares what that means to anyone else kind of thing
0: yeah i think it's really important i think because whatever you do in life or whoever you are or anything like that you will at some point encounter some kind of failure and I think it says a lot more about a person when they kind of get back up from that and they carry on than the fact they failed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Everyone That's has to go right. through failure. It's inevitable.
0: Totally. What's your
1: first recommendation this week?
0: So it's a podcast and I feel like you're going to love this. Um, Ooh,
1: okay.
0: It's called The Travel Diaries. It's by Holly Rubenstein. Um, it's relatively new. Um, I mean, it might. There are a lot of episodes, but I personally hadn't heard of it until very recently. Although actually, looking back on Acast, it does say second of July, twenty nineteen. So actually, it isn't that new at all. I'm making a party. <laughs> but um, she's a travel and lifestyle journalist, and she has started this podcast. Podcast, sorry, called the Travel Diaries, and she interviews famous people about traveling. So it's kind of that desert island disc format of you have, I think, it's six or seven. She calls them chapters, and they're all themed differently. So the first is like your first travel memory, then the place you fell in love with, the place where you found out the most about yourself, the place that's on your bucket list, the place you'd never return to, and it's just a really interesting way of structuring a conversation with someone. Because I think when you get to know about someone and like where they've travelled to and where they love, it reveals a lot about them and the type of person they are. And I I love talking to people about where they've been and where they want to go. Um. And this is just such a lovely insight. So, so far, I've listened to four episodes. The one with Nadia Hussein was so lovely. She is just, she's just a wonderful person, really. Um, I've just finished on Aisley Harriet, which I loved, because it just took me back to watching Ready, Steady, Cook as a kid.
1: Ah, uh, good old days.
0: <laughs> Brilliant TV show. But there are some really cool ones on here. He, she's interviewed um, Sir Renal Fiennes as well, which, I won't lie, I thought that Ralph Fiennes, or Ray Fiennes, have you say his name? Um, I'd been pronouncing that wrong. I didn't realise it. it wasn't the actor. And it is actually. It's actually like the longest living explorer or something. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gone across the Arctic, and here's me thinking that it's like the guy who played Voldemort. But anyway, um, it's very, very interesting. But there's some really cool people on here, and it's just they're only about half an hour each. She does some short hauls, where they're kind of like quicker conversations.
1: Um, and yeah i'd really recommend i think it'd be right up your street it's funny i i'm actually subscribed to it but i've not listened to it yet i think i sus- subscribed just before christmas but because i was so busy i kind of forgot that i had so i definitely need to give it a listen now
0: yeah i've just realized there's a short haul with dev patel
1: oh and my gosh I love okay dev
0: Patel. anyway oh. what's your second recommendation my love my
1: second recommendation and I was almost worried that you might have had this because I feel like this is more up your street um it's an article from Lydia Millen
0: and I love Lydia I well so I I don't
1: actually follow her but so many people I follow shared this blog post that she put up that I was like right I guess I need to check it out um and I did And it's pretty short, but it's called Small Changes That Changed My Life. Do you know what? I saved
0: that to pocket to read because it wouldn't load on the tube and I forgot to go back and
1: read it. (laughs) Well, it's really interesting. I mean, it's like just four things which I think are really nice. And so, but there was one specifically that really stood out. So the first one was that she was making small changes and that was like starting to listen to classical FM rather than her usual music. And that was kind of listening to classical FM, then kind of allowed her to focus more on work and it wasn't disrupting thoughts and now she listens to it all the time and then another one was uh, like sending well wishes to people and just being more kind of like aware of the people around you. Um, Another one was about working on her passion projects but the one that really resonated with me was it was in a section called getting personal and she was saying that a year and a half ago she actually created a personal Instagram account for her and it was so freeing to just be sharing what she wanted like regardless of whether it was a good photo or if it was blurry or like just pictures with family only for her family and close friends to see and the reason that she was doing that is because she just basically goes back to everything that we've said about just feeling overwhelmed and having the kind of fear of being online and being judged for certain things and she said it it gave me a real understanding of how disconnection can actually lead to further productivity and I started building more boundaries in my life, including proper working hours and weekends. Um, And she spoke about what I've mentioned so many times, about how the Danish now have a shorter working day, and they're continually ranked the happiest people in the world. And she said, they believe if you're working overtime, it's actually a negative thing and you aren't doing your job effectively instead of the culture that's prevalent in the UK, where you're seen as harder working, dedicated, driven and more ambitious if you work late and put in extra hours. It's not a culture I encourage in my office and it shouldn't be encouraged for myself either. And guess what? I'm happier, more efficient with my days. So I don't work into the evenings because I honestly love having the time to myself and actively look forward to it when work is done
0: you know what I think that's so interesting because I had this exact conversation um, with our friend Becky last weekend about boundaries and how it's so easy to let them slip and you don't realize you let them slip and all of a sudden you kind of look around and so easily say oh I don't remember the last time I switched off and I allowed myself to switch off and when I saw that thing about Denmark I just thought god if a successful if a country can be successful and that's their ethos clearly we are doing something wrong because even if you love your job and don't get me wrong, I really enjoy my job, that's not it, surely. Like, that's not it with life because if it was, people wouldn't just, like, not work and people wouldn't look forward to and enjoy retirement.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's mad to me that there's this culture that you're only successful if you work yourself into the ground because that shouldn't be what it is at all.
0: Definitely not. That's really interesting. And I like those other little tips as well about... Um, stay in touch with people and that those kinds of things yeah. so it means the world doesn't it like if you've got something going on and someone drops you a message saying oh you know like I hope you know I hope that big presentation at work went okay or you know I hope this goes well for you it means the world doesn't it? I know you're all busy but if we can all try and do more of that I think that just spreads spreads a nice bit of positivity
1: yeah definitely I would I would read the article it's really interesting and it's quite short as well like it's not a huge long blog post it's just nice and concise and yeah feel good article to read it just makes you think about what you're doing
0: i will go and give that a look after this um
1: what's your second recommendation
0: so i'm doing that annoying thing where i, I recommend something on iplayer and then realize that you can't actually watch it because you don't have iplayer so i'm really really sorry <laughs> um but to all of our <laughs> british listeners um over christmas just after christmas the bbc started um a series called the trial of christine keeler and it is based on the trial of Christine Keeler and the Profumo scandal, um, which took place in the early sixties. And it's just something I didn't know anything about. I think it obviously happened a long time before we were born, and um, it wasn't something that was kind of spoken about in our culture that much. And kind of growing up, my parents had never mentioned it to me. But when I saw the thing that made me want to watch it, actually, was when I realised it was set in the sixties, and I think the Radio Times shared a load of imagery from it and I just thought the costumes and design looked amazing. I was like, I need to watch that. It sounds really interesting. <laughs> um, and I love a kind of trial programme. So I watched the first episode and I was hooked, like utterly hooked. The storytelling in it is brilliant. The acting is phenomenal. It's got an amazing cast. Um, Amelia Fox is in it. I beloved Amelia Fox and Oh, oh I love her. And she's gone brunette for the role. It really suits her. But anyway um, it's got a really brilliant cast the way they've told the story and they kind of jump through time to different areas and different perspectives and it's so so interesting and that perception and I think it's really relevant for now as well even though it's over 50 years old I think it's still so relevant to that kind of almost that me too movement and what consent means and well, not what consent means but how conversations can be interpreted and how people have different perspectives on what certain things mean and I don't basically I'm being a bit vague because I don't want to give anything away um I mean you can google it and find out what happened because it's real life and it was a political thing in the UK but if you have access to iPlayer and you want something to watch it's only six episodes but I cannot recommend it enough it's absolutely brilliant um I'm going to google
1: it because I don't really know anything about it so since I don't have iPlayer I'm definitely going to Google and look it up because now I am intrigued.
0: Yeah, I think that I think I read a Radio Times because, as we know, um, when I watch something, if I'm not familiar with the story, I like to Google and get all the information and find out everything else about other <laughs> people's lives. And I think the Radio Times did a really good article on it. So I'll try and dig that out and send it to you or share it in the show notes so other people who can't watch your show can also read that. Um, but it was Thank just you. really written and it was... You know when you watch something on TV and you have that kind of refreshing thing of this isn't like anything else I've watched recently?
1: Yeah, no, I like that.
0: Definitely, good old BBC. Shall we move on to this week's topic? I think that'd be really nice because I think this week's topic is quite an interesting one, it's quite a relevant one. And it's definitely something we've been thinking about a lot, um, given the kind of current political climate the current kind of world climate the actual climate um yeah it's just something we've thought a lot about and we thought it'd be good to bring to the table
1: yeah i mean we're recording this what two day or two days for me um after the uk has left the eu on friday night obviously we're all aware of um everything that's gone on around Brexit, everything happening with the US election, the bushfires in Australia, the climate crisis, the civil unrest around the world. There's so much going on around the world and it can feel so overwhelming just seeing it reported continually on the news. And I don't know about you, but I just always feel like I can't do anything to help. It's so much and there's so many big issues. I kind of feel overwhelmed with what can I do to make a difference.
0: Yeah you almost get stuck in that stalemate of like oh my god I don't even know where to start but also what the hell can I do to make a difference and I think what we wanted to talk about today was actually how you can make a difference and yes you on your own will not save the world but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and it doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you can improve the lives of people around you and also make yourself feel better about it too.
1: Yeah absolutely I think everyone knows that the change needs to come from the top from the bigger companies from the government or from the organizations but there are things that we can do as individuals that will not only help people around us but also make you feel better because you it, it's good to know that you're taking active steps even yeah. though they're small steps in comparison to like the global stage of things it I, it does feel important to do something because it that's the change that we need it's almost the ground up change is just as important as what can be done from the top
0: totally and i think there's also this pressure to do everything perfectly like you have to go on the perfect protest and you have to be the perfect vegan and you have to be perfectly politically engaged and you know that's a not life but b it's not about being perfect and having that perfect approach it's making the effort and trying and just being a bit better today than you were yesterday and the way I kind of think about it and I know this is a bit kind of maybe a bit deep and maybe a bit self-serving but I always kind of think like if in 10-15 years I have kids I want when they turn around and say to me oh well what did you do to help this I want to be able to turn around and go actually I did this and I tried because no it might not be the right thing or by that point they might be like oh well this would have been better to do but you can only act on the information you have and I think knowing where to start can be really daunting so we've kind of put together. A few different things that you can do to help kind of your local community to help the wider community and we just thought we'd run through them and of course if anyone else has any more suggestions share those too
1: yeah I think that's the key thing as well because it can be difficult to know how you can make a change having discussions like these so you get different ideas from people and find out what other people have done what other people kind of integrate into their daily life i think having those conversations to be more aware of changes that you can make is just a really nice it's a nice eye-opening way to think about how you can have an impact regardless of what's going on in the news right now just knowing that you're taking steps in your day-to-day life
0: totally So I think a nice place to kind of start on the list would be thinking about things like charities, other external agencies and how you can get practically involved with institutions that are doing really good work. I know there's always the argument that these places shouldn't have to exist, particularly when you think of things like food banks and homelessness and all of these big social issues. But the reality is the current situation we're in, they do exist. They are needed. So what can you do to get involved and help them?
1: Yeah I think the great thing about these options in talking about charities and external agencies is that they are very practical things you can do so if you're thinking about food banks add a couple of extra tins to your weekly shop and take those to a food bank I mean you can get tins for like 90p it's it's not going to be breaking the bank but they are materials which are so useful and those charities and those organizations can distribute them where they are most needed.
0: Yeah and a lot of um, shops now I'm pretty sure Superdrug in the UK you can do the same with tampons and sanitary towels and other sanitary products because of course that's an issue that women face as well so you know again it's only a couple of quid and you can throw in an extra pack of sanitary towels or something but that makes an actual difference to a woman's life
1: yeah, and in fact, that's just made me remember as well. I know there's some, markets in, some supermarkets in the UK that actually have a basket, like a big tub as you're going out the door and you can add things from your shop and they go to some sort of local um, homeless shelter or food bank. So that makes yes. it really easy for you. You can literally add it to your shop and put it in that basket and it's done for you before you've even left the store.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of co-ops do it and I know a lot of waitresses do it too. I'm sure the other big supermarkets do. I think um, Asda do it as well. Yeah, and I think it's always just worth like looking, keeping an eye out and just like whacking it in if you can.
1: Yeah, and another easy thing to do as well is if you're having a clear out, donating clothes to homeless shelters, to women's charities, things like that where again rather than uh, this because ha- this is a twofold thing you're not just throwing something out and having that impact on the environment but you're also making sure that those items are being reused in a way that is useful and helpful to other people who need them
0: totally i think when you think about something like clearing out your wardrobe especially if you get really into it you can just want to get rid of loads of stuff but actually if you can section everything off and go actually there's nothing wrong with these items they just don't suit me or they aren't practical for my life but they can go to a good home and yeah. then you've got a pile of like actual things like I don't know old t-shirts that you've had for five years that have a hole in them and that kind of thing recycle the things and make sure you actually send them off for recycling not putting them in the bin but like recycle that that's a brilliant way to get to a point where we can have more recycled cotton and stuff like that but you're also yeah. sending the rest of the clothes to people who really need them and it can really help especially when you think of things like job interviews and that kind of thing if you don't have anything appropriate to wear to a job interview you're already you've already got a barrier in your way so particularly if you've got workwear and stuff that can be so valuable in those situations
1: also it's worth saying if you're really interested in helping animal charities the same goes for if you're having a clear out for, you, for your pets like if you've got old dog beds or cat beds that aren't being used if you have spare food that maybe yeah your pet's a little bit particular about I know my cat only eats certain (laughs) foods. That's literally a little diva. (laughs) Yeah. If you have things like that, don't just throw them out. Charity the animal charities will accept those donations and they will be able to use them.
0: Did you also know that you can give duvets and pillows as well? So if you've got like an old duvet or pillow and you can't really donate it to people, but it would be perfectly good for like dogs and stuff. You can take it to places like Dogs Trust and it fills their kennels so the dogs have somewhere to sleep. Also, that's great
1: because things like that are really difficult to dispose yeah, of if yeah. you are trying to get rid of. Like, You often have to take them to a tip or something. It's so so at least...
0: I'm not great for the environment, but this way, you're helping the doggos too.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think the obvious one as well is donating money. I know that it can be really tough sometimes and not all of us can afford to, and I definitely would like to be able to give more than I currently do. So instead, I just started giving the money to... A homeless charity something like a center point or um shelter and it wasn't a lot but it's just that little thing of like and maybe instead of buying a coffee today i'll give that three pound fifty um because at the end of the day if we all did that once it would make such a difference i think we've always yeah. to come together on those things
1: yeah i think like you said that's a really good point it's such a small amount that can make a difference that if it does mean going in without your coffee for one day a week and donating that money instead, or bringing food in to eat for lunch instead of going out for your lunch a couple of times a week, just how else you can use that money for something that's, I don't want to say more important, but it is more important than having a coffee, let's be yes, honest. It is. You yes, don't need it is. that daily coffee, or you could make a coffee in the office instead just for one day. Like. There are, there are other ways to use that money that's going to be a lot more beneficial and charities like that will be able to allocate it again where it's needed most. They have a much better oversight of the yeah. whole situation, especially if it's a local charity, they have a lot better understanding of the social issues in your area.
0: Totally. I think the other thing is if you can't afford to give your money, but you can afford to give your time, then give that because people always need volunteers and they always need help. And actually, particularly on these big charity projects where you you know they are always looking for people to help you can make such a difference and I think it just connects you more with your community it's definitely not something I do enough um I'm really fortunate that through my current job I do get a volunteering day every year so I can claim that and I can choose a charity or a project to go and help with and it's something I really want to do because I think it is really important like I'm in a privileged position where I can give my time and make a difference and no I'm completely aware that one day of me helping does not solve all the problems facing whoever I'm helping but it's better than not doing it.
1: I think that raises a really good point because my work actually has the same thing and I've never come across that before until having this job where they give you a day that's still a, a, a day off to go and work for a charity to volunteer for a charity and I think that's maybe something worth if you feel you're able to, to discuss with your manager, because one, there might be an arrangement in place like that already at your place of work that you just don't know about because it's not publicized enough. Yeah. Or two, that might be a movement that your place of work really supports. And if that's something you feel passionate about, it's definitely worth discussing with your manager or with HR to see if there is some sort of scheme that they can put in place for that.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, should we have a chat about the everyday things you can do in your life, like really simple kind of things you could start immediately that will make a difference in some kind of way?
1: Yeah, I feel like especially in terms of environmental changes, that's something that people are so under pressure to do to make those small daily changes. And you don't feel you don't need to feel under pressure because there are really easy swaps and small changes that you can do to make a difference. And you should feel good about doing them because you've made an active effort. So um, I mean I know this is more applicable to us, but we neither of us eat meat and or dairy, which has a huge impact. But even if you're not able to go vegetarian and go completely dairy free, think about whether you could just have one meat free day a week.
0: Yeah. Because
1: that I mean, looking into the numbers, the carbon footprint and the environmental impact of producing meat especially beef and milk as well Mm -hmm. it is huge so if you're able to go meat free or dairy free for one day a week you are actually making a really big difference
0: definitely I think that stat came out this week didn't it that Um, the US need to cut their milk consumption by 60% and their red meat consumption by 90% if there's any hope at tackling the climate crisis and that can kind of be extrapolated out all over the world and I think when you read that like it made me stressed and I don't I'm plant-based and that stressed me out and I was like oh my god what can I do so I was like god I can only imagine how stressful it must have been if you're conscious of the issues but you don't really know where to start with it but like you said meat-free monday or maybe you just go you know what i'm gonna drink a black coffee every day for now and instead of putting milk in it or i'm gonna have oat milk on my cereal or whatever it is like find out like i think the article i read those stats in referred to the minimum effective dose so what is like the minimum that you can eat that's animal based and still feel healthy and feel happy and enjoy yourself whilst also having a positive impact around you and that's the thing isn't it like it's got to work for you
1: also people can often feel intimidated by all of the alternatives all of the different yeah. milk options and meat replacements again you're you you do not need to worry about that like you said you can have a black coffee if you want no one's forcing you to pick between oat milk and soy milk and almond milk and all of that you if you're not comfortable doing that that's fine just think about how you could make some changes and I think as well another point is going out if you really want to eat meat go out to a restaurant and eat meat because that's less of a footprint than well i guess it depends if you're then going to drive to the restaurant but if if you're buying meat constantly from a supermarket that entire process is has a much bigger carbon footprint than going to a restaurant around the corner and having some meat there
0: so that's actually interestingly how I ended up more or less becoming fully vegetarian. Is that I just kind of stopped. I started eating less meat. Then I stopped cooking meat, and I was like, oh, I'll just eat meat when I'm out and about. Um, yeah, because I, I thought was the that same. that kind of finds me balance. I don't go out to eat that much. But then I got into such a habit that it then like I wouldn't eat it when I was out now either. But I think it doesn't have to be this big scary thing you do overnight. Like all of these changes can be really easy it's like when you think of like reusable bottles and reusable cups a couple of years ago it was like oh god i've got to buy a bottle and i've got to carry it around whereas now so many people have them and whenever i'm in a meeting you just have to look on the table and everyone has one of those aluminium bottles yeah. and it's second nature like of course you have your bottle and it's the same like if you even if you only buy one coffee a week buying yourself a reusable cup a it'll pay back because you save money on your coffee when you use reusable cup but it still makes a difference and that's like so quick you can do like you can go to the shop tomorrow and pick one up and there are so many easy swaps like that but i think you forget how much of a brilliant impact they can have
1: yeah i think it's important to point them out like as well as reusable cups um take your food to work in tupperware um have a, um, like a stainless steel straw or a reusable yeah. straw, if you prefer to drink through a straw rather than using the plastic ones, um, reusable cotton pads for yes. facial makeup, cleansing, all of that, um, reusable cutlery, obviously if you're at home that's fine, but if you're out and about, rather than getting the plastic takeout ones, just keep some stainless steel ones or some bamboo ones just in your in your drawer at work rather than just picking up the same plastic ones with your meal out
0: i'll actually link below a really good set that joseph and joseph do and it's a spoon fork and knife but it all comes in a silicon case so that when you're finished with it you can put it back in the silicon case it doesn't take up a lot of room in your bag or your pocket or anything but it doesn't get messy when you've used it because that was always my big thing as i was like i don't want to carry around dirty cutlery all day um yeah but that's actually a really good one Another really good swap that I've used, I've got recently, um, are instead of using tin foil and cling film in the kitchen, using, I don't know what their technical name is, but they're, they're like beeswax sheets, and you can get vegan ones as well, made from coconut oil. So I'll link, I'll try and find both and link them. But essentially, it works in exactly the same way as you wrap something up in it, but instead of kind of that self. Foldingness that foil and cling film have you use the heat of your hands and it melts ever so slightly and keeps it stuck together and you can a bit like greaseproof paper kind of yeah it's kind of like greaseproof paper but it can stick to itself because it's like oh, beeswax cool. or coconut oil and I got a set for Christmas um and they've been amazing and they kept they kept like I think I wrapped pita breads up in them and they kept them completely like fresh and everything for days just like cling film or tin foil would have but I can easily reuse them again and again
1: Oh, that's so good. I definitely need yeah. to
0: look into that. I think as well as all the environmental ones, um, there are also like just social changes you can make in everyday life as well. Like when you think of people and the people around you, we've spoken before about loneliness and how it can affect anyone and it can be so prevalent in your 20s or at any age. Just check in with people. Like, try So I have a walk home every night and I try and call a different person each evening to chat with them for 10 minutes. Um, or just like dropping people a text like it means the world when someone's thinking of you like we already touched on earlier like it means the world when someone drops you a message
1: yeah I think it's really important to be aware that you could actually make someone's day if you just send them a message or give them a call I think that's it's like an underrated way of just making a small difference for someone else's day um but I think another thing that's really important especially with social media um making sure that you're consuming news from reputable sources. I think there's so much just fake news. Just mm-hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous and it's so easy to get sucked into some sort of false narrative because it's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and actually you're not serving anyone by doing that. You're you're feeding the people who are creating this false news and You're just not being, you're not keeping well informed. And in the world that we're in, that's really important. So just make sure that you are using reputable news sources, whether that's the BBC, whether that's the Guardian, whether it's watching Sky News in the evening, whatever works for you, make sure it's from a proper news outlet.
0: Yeah, I think as well, like when you're consuming fake news, and I don't think people do it intentionally. Um, it's, It's not that kind of thing. But when you're consuming it, it just makes you feel shit. Because often it's yeah. so exaggerated or over the top or just completely false. And and I found like so recently in my office there's a TV that shows just the headlines of the news and it doesn't have any sound on it, but it means that I can look up and I can see what the headlines are. So I just get a really top line of what's going on, but I don't have to consume the more intense, harrowing and stressful stories. I can then go away and read a bit more about it, but I have that con- like constant top line information about what's actually going on and it's made me feel a bit more in control of the situation as well and a bit more on top of things
1: yeah i think control is the key thing there like it's it's so important and i think before we move on to bigger actions as well it's just worth mentioning a few other things which a lot of people do already but things like recycling just being aware um aware of what you're putting in the bin which bin you're putting it in yeah um Another thing that I know we've spoken about is doing a cold wash and not using the dryer, just letting your clothes air dry. They have such a huge difference to your, difference to your carbon footprint.
0: Yeah. It's
1: really, really interesting. Um, we actually did a, uh, what was the, it was like an online fashion calculator and it looked at your fashion footprint and it looked at not just what you're buying clothes wise but also how you're washing them what you do with them when they're done if you return them and it calculates your carbon footprint we should actually link that
0: yeah we should we'll put that in the show notes because it was eye-opening for me because actually what you suggested doing was doing it how you used to shop so like a few years ago or like when we were at uni and every single night out would need a different outfit and you'd do these huge orders and all that kind of thing versus now when we're both trying to be a bit more conscious And it definitely highlighted to me that there are still massive improvements I can make. But it also made me kind of feel a little bit better about myself because I do shop a lot more secondhand now. I do try and repair my clothes. I buy considerably less. I wash things less frequently. And it was just that really nice moment where I went, "Okay, yes, there's still a lot more I could do. And yes, you know, I talk about fashion all the time. There is, of course, a conflict there and it, it is a bit problematic. But... I've improved and I think that's what we're trying to say in this entire episode is you don't have to be perfect but making sure you're improving and doing the best you can and actually that involves patting yourself on the back a little bit because seeing that like carbon footprint drop from a couple of years ago to now I was like okay
1: that's it's a big achievement totally and I think the things to take from that in terms of other steps that you can integrate into everyday life is making sure you are shopping locally shop secondhand if you can shopping ethically as well if if you can and also shopping in season for food is really important
0: so important i think actually just going back to the fashion thing quickly because this is something i've i actually i think i did an instagram post about this the other day actually um something i've been thinking about so much is that you know a lot of ethical and sustainable clothing carries a more expensive price tag and that isn't something that is accessible and vintage shopping isn't always accessible because of sizing and because of pricing um so if you're not going to shop from those places you can't or it isn't something it's open to you just buy mindfully like if you're buying a t-shirt that might be like, you know, if you're buying a t shirt that isn't the most ethical thing in the world, at least try and make sure that it's better cotton initiative or that it's been ethically sourced in some other way. Um, like knowing it's from a company that uses like ethical factories. Um I'll link below a good site that's like an independent auditing that you can run by companies to see how like green they are. Or like it's as simple as like thinking to yourself, is this something I'm realistically gonna love? in a couple of years from now? Is it something I'm going to really get the wear out of? Because if it's not, just don't buy it.
1: Yeah, and another good thing, actually, that I used to do at my old job, if you can't access vintage clothing and ethical clothing is with, outside of your budget, a talk, get together with a group of friends and do a clothes swap. Yes. they are amazing. Pick a date that works for everyone. Bag up everything that you don't want anymore and take it in and do a cloak you will be amazed at the things that you can get from that it's so amazing if you do one every few months it's such a good idea and everyone wins from that there is it's a a win-win situation yeah it works really well if every if everyone's on board and you've got a good group of people i mean i say that you could probably do it with four people but obviously the more people you've got involved the better i think we used to do it with about 10 to 15 and it worked really well
0: that's such a nice idea, and actually, that could be a really nice way to raise a little money for charity as well. If, like, you didn't pay per item, but you had to pay like ten pounds to be involved, that's like yeah. a really cool way to raise some money, get some more life out of clothes, and just have fun. Like, it puts the fun back into that whole experience, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love
0: that I want to do that. Okay, I'm gonna have to think about doing that. <laughs> You've inspired um, me. <laughs>
1: yay. Um, do we want to move on to some bigger actions as well, just in case if people are looking to take those bigger steps towards kind yes. of being more aware and
0: making a difference? Totally. So one of the things I actually did for the first time, maybe a year ago now, a little under a year ago, um, and it's something I've done a couple of times since. And it's contact my local MP, um, which is member of parliament. If you're not from the UK, you don't know what MP means. Um, because we all have one, and I think sometimes when there's an election cycle and there are big political issues, you just don't really know where to start in tackling them. So the first time I did it was talking about um, abortion rights in Northern Ireland, and one thing that I don't think people are always aware of that if it's um, if you're getting in touch over a really big issue and there are a lot of reputable charities and organisations that are in line with that. Uh, cause often there are templates you can use that you can kind of sign and send off to your mp you'll still get all the information back that you want But if you're a bit nervous about the idea of writing to an mp that's a really accessible way to get that ball rolling um, so i've used that but i've also then actually just sat down and written to my mp it's completely free to do all you need to go to do is send an email and you just have to include your postcode and your full name so that your member of parliament can verify you're in their constituency so they're allowed to respond to you um, but we'll leave linked below. God, we're leaving so much link below today, aren't we? <laughs> but we'll leave <laughs> linked how you can find out who your MP is and how you can contact them. But its I, I literally just sent him an email saying, these are my concerns, you know, what, what are we doing? What is your government doing? If I vote for you in the next election, what will you do? And, you know, some of the responses I might not have necessarily liked or thought were very helpful, but it opens up a conversation and it gets your voice heard. And I think we can all sit that back and go like, oh, I hate politicians, whatever. But there is a responsibility on us as individuals to also be having that conversation and instigating that conversation. And, you know, if you don't make any noise, how are people meant to know it's an issue? So I just, yeah. like, I'd really encourage people to do it. It's, you know, you don't need any special qualifications to do it. Um, I You know, I've got a politics degree and I certainly wasn't any more qualified than anyone else to be able to do it. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's definitely something that I am I mean, I don't know if I can do it now. No, I can. I'm still registered. Um, But it's definitely something that I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of. And it's a really it feels good to do because, like you said, it's getting your voice heard. And I think people don't realise that that's a channel that's open to them.
0: Definitely. And also they will come back to you. And that's a really important thing to say. I think both times my MP has come back to me within a week. So they'll actually send you a letter back, like a proper letter back. Um, and he answered all the questions I had and also told me about some things that I just wasn't aware of because we aren't always aware of what's going on in our local area and behind the scenes so it kind of reassured me on some of those fronts as well so yeah it kind of killed two birds with one stone as it was I was getting more engaged but I also got answers I think in terms of
1: bigger actions as well obviously you can get involved with peaceful protests I don't think that's anything either of us have done no but I haven't really there is plenty you can do, and I know a lot of people that do get involved. Often it's organized through um, whether it's parties that they're affiliated with, or often it's groups that have kind of come together on Facebook, things like that. Also, another big action is boycotting as well. Yeah. Um, boycotting things which you know are not ethical, are not sustainable, are not in line with your values. Um, I think that's really important because let's face it everything comes down to money if you can show you don't support something by not spending your money on it that's one of the strongest messages you can send
0: yeah and I think it's important to say that you don't have to boycott absolutely everything that's problematic in the world and everything that causes a problem but if there are a couple of things that you really don't agree with just make sure you don't get involved in them and you know I think a really good example of because I always thought, oh, what's the point in that? Because it's only like me spending a couple of quid here and there. But a really great example is how that um, now in the UK, it's really rare to find non-free range eggs on sale, because as soon as the British public became aware of the horrors of battery farming and cage tens, people were like, I don't want to buy that anymore. And so it's it's caused like a massive change. And I think you, you have to remember, like, yes, it takes time. Yes, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's everyone getting involved. But, be part of that kind of group of people who get involved um you know like there are certain fashion brands that i won't go near and there are certain food brands that i don't agree with and i think you don't have to boycott everything and not have any fun and kind of be grumpy or a party pooper but it can just be a way to kind of make a statement that resonates with you
1: yeah, you don't need to tell anyone about it. You don't need to shout about it. It's just a decision you've made to not spend your money and not affiliate with a company that you disagree with. And I yeah. think that's that's something that's right for you. And it will be different for every individual. I mean, I know a lot of people that boycott Amazon. Um, and I think another important big one, for both of us especially, and it is a little bit uncomfortable, but cutting down on flights, um, yes. paying to offset your carbon because we both do probably, well, we both fly probably a lot more than the average person does fly.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I know it's an immense privilege to be able to. And traveling is something we both love. But with that comes a responsibility to find alternative ways or to try and at least offset our actions. Because, you know, it's, it's not sustainable in any way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm cutting down huge. i Did take quite a few flights in 2019 and I am cutting down hugely on them this year but I think it's important to say this is not saying don't get on a plane don't go on holiday don't take a trip I think what it's saying is be aware of your carbon footprint when you do get on a plane and look at the ways that you can offset that because a lot of companies now do offer a carbon offset when you book the flight and it really it should be something that you're factoring into the cost of your holiday. If
0: yeah. I'm being blunt,
1: you should be factoring it in. Because it's it's maybe one meal while you're away, or it's the difference between you going all inclusive and half bored. Like it you should just be incorporating it into your holiday cost because again, it's another step that you're taking to counteract your impact on the global environment.
0: I feel similarly about that as I do about vaccinations. And I realise this is a bit different, but when people say to me, oh, I've not had my vaccinations because it costs money and I don't want to spend the money, the way I see it is if you're spending money on travelling, you need to spend the money on the vaccinations. It's an added-on cost, like your travel insurance, like your hotel, like your accommodation. And actually your offsetting needs to be the same. Um, But I'm also conscious that often offsetting doesn't necessarily get a bad rap, but it's mildly controversial because you know, planting a couple of trees isn't the same as not getting on the plane. So I think it's also important to think about the other ways you offset. So like, you know, maybe you're willing to make dietary sacrifices or I don't want to say sacrifices, that sounds a bit extreme, but like you're prepared to kind of follow a more environmentally friendly diet or you're willing to not shop at all or something like that to kind of balance out where you're making those gains and where you're choosing not to. And see it as a bigger
1: picture. Yeah, I mean, do things like join a tree planting scheme, so you're planting trees year round. Things like that that you're you are doing actively, so that when you take that flight in summer, you feel you feel like you've done your bit to offset that flight that you're taking. I was just going to say, because that's that's the kind of steps that we need now. Like The environmental situation is getting dire and people aren't going to stop taking flights. So this kind of counteracting is really, really the steps that people need to be taking every time they fly.
0: Yeah. And I think as well on that, like have a think to yourself, do I have to fly? The majority of trips I took last year, I didn't fly. I took a train or I took a bus or we drove. And yes, those modes of transport still have an environmental impact, but it isn't as bad as flying. So I think sometimes it's just like thinking a bit more creatively and if you think actually no I really want to go to Sri Lanka and I can only get there by plane okay that's fine just make sure you trying to do something to balance out a bit.
1: Well I think that wraps it up for this week we hope that if anything this episode has at least given you some ideas for changes you might be able to make to your daily life and we don't want to sound preachy or telling you that you should absolutely be doing this or doing that but because it's something we've both been a lot more conscious of over the last couple of years, I think it's important that everyone shares the steps that they take. I'd love to know other daily steps that I could take to have less of an impact. I think it is all about sharing those different ways that people mm. make changes. So you think, oh, yeah, actually, that is something that I could incorporate into my day, or I'm not able to do, I'm not able to cut out me, but. Yes, I'll join a carbon offsetting scheme instead. Like it's all about weighing up what you can incorporate into your life.
0: Totally, and I think it's not about doing all of them and doing them all perfectly. That like, Lord knows we're not perfect and nowhere near it, and we don't always do all of these things. But I think when things feel this uncertain and when there's so much going on in the world, and you kind of look at the news and you feel so overwhelmed, and you think, God, how the hell am I, as one individual person, meant to make any kind of difference? it's just taking a moment to think you can make a difference and you don't have to have that horrible eco-anxiety or that social anxiety of I'm not helping my community like there's loads you can do and it's completely like within your gift to do that so basically you don't need to feel quite as stressed
1: yeah absolutely and of course if there's anything that you do or any ideas that you have we would love to hear them um, please do send them to us. Um, you can contact us via email, which is 20 at gmail.com. Um, or you can contact us via Instagram, which is at 20 hard. So if you
0: enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more from Twenties Are Hard, please don't forget to hit subscribe for the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you want to give us a rating and review, we would absolutely love that because it makes such a difference to other people discovering the podcast and tuning in. And we look forward to chatting to you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye.
1: Bye.